Imagine yourself in a temple. The big, cool stone walls and towering above. The echo of sound in the space. The stillness and the resonance of worship. Feel the awe and the grandeur. And then see the walls torn down violently, holy spaces denigrated, and see yourself being dragged away with your family, your people, as well as your hope being crushed. This is part of the history of the people of Israel the story they would have told their children of being taken away into exile, taken away from their holy place and the land that they had been given. A few people, only the poorest in the land, were left. But they also were persecuted and oppressed by the invading rulers. 50 years or more pass by. This is the backdrop of the story that we hear today in Ezra. Then, dun da da dun enter King Cyrus of Persia. God's spirit stirs in him, and he puts out a proclamation sending out town criers and heralds throughout all of the land so that everyone hears. The Jews in exile may return and rebuild the temple. They begin to build on the old foundations of what had been there before, showing continuity with the older traditions. But have you ever gone back to your childhood home or somewhere that was old and a familiar place and found it small or shabby and run down? For some that gathered, they had seen the first temple in all of its splendor. Could this new thing really replace all of the beauty that had been? They had been longing and dreaming for years, waiting to return and rebuild. But as the burnt offerings begin, they seem a pale comparison to the former glory doing all the right things, but it wasn't quite right, not quite enough. When the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord a second time, the priests in all their regalia led the people in giving thanks and praising the Lord. They said, for God is good. For God's steadfast love endures forever towards Israel. 
but there is a mixed response, joy and weeping. Had their understanding of God been shaken by the tragedy they had seen and felt in their lives? The book of Ezra acknowledges that this moment of fulfillment was also a moment of loss. It's not hard to picture this in the Holy Land right now. Today, people weeping and crying out in joy. We see a clash daily of what some hope for ruling out the hopes of others. In this time period, the temple represented what God was for the Jews. Uh, it was where God lived and how the Jews could access and speak to God. So when they were conquered and taken into exile, it was almost like they had lost their God because they had no way to experience who God was. Uh, and the rebuilding of the temple was almost like getting their God back after God having been destroyed for many years. So why would these people be weeping if they're getting their God back? Uh, shouldn't they be happy that they finally get to experience the God they've been missing for decades? Uh, it's possible they saw the concrete bill from the foundations but uh, I think a more realistic idea is that the new temple didn't fulfill their ideas of who God was and what their expectations were. Uh, new foundations can represent uh, changes or new stages in life, uh, but that's not what the older generations wanted. They were nostalgic for the old temple, and the new one wasn't exactly what they were expecting and didn't represent the God they remembered. The younger generations didn't have any of the ex these expectations, so they were just very overjoyed that they finally got to meet the God that their older people had told them about. These expectations can mirror the hopes we have in the season of Advent as people wait for the Messiah to come. We know what the promise of Jesus brings today, but 2,000 years ago, many Jews were expecting someone who would overthrow the Romans. Similar to the new temple from Ezra, Jesus wasn't what was expected or even wanted. This caused much confusion and even anger as people wanted both the temple and Jesus to fulfill their hopes, but didn't see how it was positively affecting others. This seems similar to generational divides in church today, where many people from older generations aren't happy with the decisions being made by the younger ones, because it disrupts their idea of who God is. I think there's something we can learn from this for today. And I'm not just saying that the older generations need to accept the changes being made. They have very important things to say and the younger people, myself included, need to listen to their concerns. The weeping of the older generation shouldn't be ignored, but it also shouldn't drown out the joys of others. We need to find a balance uh, the two different opposing sides can come up with uh, that includes concerns and joys. Eleanor woke up sick this morning, so I am reading her words for her. People who were waiting for the Messiah had to deal with the difference between who they expected um, and who Jesus really was. 
The construction of the second temple can be seen as a mirror of that. These people were exiled for a long time, and even when they were allowed to go back, for some, it wasn't what they expected. The people who witnessed the old temple cried because the new temple wasn't what they remembered. In my mind, I often feel like when other people are joyful with the outcome of things, it invalidates any disappointment or grief that I'm feeling. The Christmas season is often regarded as a season of joy. We wait for Jesus, we visit family, and we are allowed to have a break. But throughout this season of joy, there is still a lot of pain and grief. The world has always been a mess, both when Jesus was coming and when Jesus was here. The painful parts of living don't stop just because it's a holiday, a time for celebration. For some, this season of joy might seem like a temporary band-aid over all the negative feelings, but I think both feelings should be allowed to exist at the same time. The older generation was feeling sadness because the new temple didn't exactly match the one they used to know. Their feelings shouldn't be the focus, but their feelings shouldn't be erased. Those who were witnessing a temple in the chosen land for the first time in their lives were understandably ecstatic. But how do we hold their joy as the focus without completely forgetting the grief the older generation is feeling? I believe it is possible to do both without guilting one party into feeling bad for their sadness or the other for their happiness. When you have expectations that are not met exactly as you thought they, they would be, it's understandable that you would not be feeling joyful. But we must always look for the good even when our expectations are not met. Feel both sadness over the details that aren't the way we want them to be, but also see that there can be good things there as well. At Eastern Mennonite School, the musical this year is Fiddler on the Roof. Tevye, who is a milkman and a father of five daughters, tries to maintain the Jewish religious and cultural traditions in the family when outside influences encroach on his family's lives. The village's tradition is to have the matchmaker make the matches of marriage, but Tevye's daughters are wanting to marry by means of love and not matchmaking. In the Ezra passage, for the older generation and priests, they had the memory of the first temple and they weren't ready to let go of the memory of growing up with the first temple. That's the same with Tevye. He doesn't want to let go of the memory of matchmaking that he grew up with. Sometimes tradition can get in the way of change. 
For the older generation, they had the memory of the first temple, and the second temple wasn't the same or wasn't up to their expectations. Simeon was told that he wouldn't die until he saw the Lord's Messiah and was able to see Jesus when he was getting blessed in the second temple. Simeon can represent someone from the older generation who is accepting the new and able to receive it. This congregation holds lots of good memories from generations past. I wonder what expectations we have for the future and how we can make new memories. This is back into my own words. I think of the wider church and world as well as our congregation. How are we at celebrating the new while honoring the grief of letting go of what was? Do we just rush ahead to rebuild after things like splits or pandemics, trying to get back to what was? There is a balance here. What is wonderful about the next generation stepping forward with ideas, vision, and energy to build? And on the other hand, what do we grieve even in this season of great joy? Our grief isn't always about what is coming that is new but in letting go of what we expected to come or the older dream that did not come to be a reality. One commentator says it this way, it also occurs to me that as people in community at times of transition, we need to listen carefully. We need to distinguish between the excitement of the new beginning from the sorrow of what has been lost. Like these two or multiple generations, hope, expectation, and emotions blend together in this rebuilding of the temple, so too we will blend two songs in our response song to this sermon. Telling this story of how Jesus is about to show up for us now. Jesus doesn't come with strength or decked in jewels, but is carried in as a baby and greeted, welcomed, and celebrated by the old man, Simeon, in the temple. This God with us appears and walks with the lowly, sharing their burdens, feeling real hunger. In this season of waiting in shadows and holding our unknowns, May we be honest with this Jesus about our mix of emotions. Amen. <laughs>